it's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know, I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. we got a good one today uh, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. I'm going to talk with uh, the author of a, uh, a new book called No Spring Chicken, Stories and Advice from a Wild Handicapper on Aging and Disability. Francine Falk-Allen joins me for a delightful conversation coming up, uh, as I mentioned, during the third uh, hour of the show. And in the second hour, Dr. Nate Link is going to talk about his uh, new book called um, Ailing Nation. And uh, that should be fun. But we're going to start out, um, first off, this hour, we have uh, joining us... um, a Ph.D. Uh, in theology and uh, interdisciplinary scholar and award-winning writer known for fresh insights, a positive perspective, and a compassionate approach to the Bible. And she has a new book. It's called Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study by Marina Hoffman. And she joins me by phone. Hi, Marina. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tom. Great to be with you and your listeners this morning. Um, let's talk about this uh, this Bible study. The the book is is it a guide for Bible study, or can it be read independently? 
it can be both. There is a great need for good Bible studies these days. A lot of women who meet in church and such, they're always looking for something they can do together. So the questions are great conversation starters, but I have many people that have done this study independent as well. It just helps along someone's study of the Bible to have questions and provocative reflections as well. Well, let's talk about some of the uh, some of the things in it. You um, you've selected eleven women, I think, from the uh, from the Bible, right? That's right. And what is it about these women that's that's worthy of reflection? And what are the lessons? And how are they relevant to women now? Well, I picked them really because they're some of my favorites. It was a hard choice because I think all the stories of women have so much to offer. But what stands out, I think, the more we read them is that these women are not perfect. They are not fully accomplished in themselves, but really they're broken. They have a lot of hardships, a lot of challenges and limitations, and that will sound familiar to all of us right now. And yet with some faith, some trust in God, and often the willingness to take a risk, they end up accomplishing something great. But again, the more we look into the details of their life, it's not really they accomplish it so much as God works through them to accomplish. You know, in the the last few years, women have been making huge strides in being heard about some of the challenges that they face, but also in accepting a lot of leadership roles in government and business and and so on and historically world religions have been extremely patriarchal um how would women today view and learn from women of the bible well i think one important point to start off with is your point about just being heard and being seen and studying these women and accepting their stories in their own right without always defaulting to the male character, I think is a wonderful starting point for us to really pay attention to their lives and what they accomplish. And in terms of leadership, I think there's so much to learn because, well, I consider myself a young woman and I I have not accomplished great things in my life or had great advantage, but that's exactly the context of these women. They start off so ordinary, and yet God does something in and through them. And, you know, we look at Queen Esther, right? We think she's done something amazing, uh, top-level leadership in her country, and yet she was an obscure woman just plucked away from her family, far from her native home, it was God who raised her up. Even Mary, we can think so highly of the mother of Jesus, but again, an angel appears to her out of the ordinary. So I think there's a lot of hope for women who want to become leaders because it's simple. There's a simplicity of trusting God to raise you up instead of having to have all the accomplishments in terms of what the world would suggest. Has the role of women changed dramatically in modern times versus that in the Bible in terms of their role in family life and and culture? Well, there's a lot of discussion about how disadvantaged women really were. I think commonly you'll hear people say, oh, women were the lowest. But 
I don't see that in Scripture. There's a lot of women who are looked up to by their own culture at that time, and then there's women who the Bible itself, the narrator, exalts. So we can say to begin with, the narrator doesn't see women so suppressed as we... Hello, Marina? I, I, I lost you there, Marina. Well, if you can hear me and I can't hear you, um, if you could disconnect and, and uh, reconnect with me. And for the listeners, welcome to live radio. This happens occasionally where the audio uh, from the other end drops out for some reason. Um, hopefully, um, Marina will, uh, will give me a call back here in just a moment. Anyway, my guest is uh, Marina Hoffman. She is a Ph.D. in theology. The name of the book is Women of the Bible, a small group Bible study. And uh, in it, Hoffman helps readers discover how women in the Bible responded to complex challenges, take bold actions to bring about justice and triumph through adversity. And uh, hopefully we'll talk more about that with... Uh, Marina right now. I think that's her ringing in as we speak. Hi, Marina. Welcome back. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I um, All of a sudden, your audio just dropped right out. So I disconnected with hope you'd call back, and you did, and I'm glad you did, and welcome to live radio. Um, Thank you. But uh, but but you got cut off. We were talking about um, what how women's roles maybe have changed in modern times versus in uh, biblical times, and you and and I'm talking about in terms of family and culture. But you were saying, and and I'll I'll follow up with a new question. You were saying that in your study of the Bible, you found that women played very significant roles, that they weren't as at the uh, bottom of the, of the trench as, as we often think, um, but perhaps some of their efforts were not as reported, that, that maybe women played a lot more of a role in family, in culture, in, in even... Uh, leadership roles but it's not talked about as much so we tend to to think of it as kind of a male only club exactly that's my perspective and i can give one example if we look at hannah hannah has a short passage where she features but her son does incredible things samuel he leads israel through the transition between a small state to kingship but if I examine Samuel's life, I see that the key features of his leadership is reflected in the story we have of his mom. He's a woman of prayer like his mom. He's a woman of faith. He has conflict with priests. The list and list goes on. So when I see the story of Samuel and how great of a leader Samuel is, I find the root of that in his mom and his mom's legacy and influence. And... Uh, the 11 women that you chose, 
to highlight in this book, Women of the Bible. Um, how did you make those choices? Some you said are really you said famous. some were favorites of yours, but was there was there some criteria you wanted to use for final selection? No, I picked really the first eight stories that came to me, and I love that several of them have multiple female characters. That gives us a lot to work with, and some are famous and not so not the case for others. Not many people know about the midwives in Israel but they have a wonderful story too. So I wanted to help those who are a bit familiar with the Bible and for those who are very familiar to give them something new as well. What about for people who are not familiar with the Bible? Yes, the lovely thing about this study is it starts at the beginning. It gives a bit of background so every reader has the context and it goes through the passage slow, verse by verse. I think it's really important to read slowly, even though that's countercultural, and really pick up the details, because when it comes to Bible narratives, a lot of the meat of what's in the passage is found in the details. And, yeah, it would be very tough to tell Bible stories in 140 characters. Yes, thank you. <laughs> that's right. It's okay to dive deep, to take an hour, to read a story two or three times, right, Tom? Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I like to spend a little longer with guests than um, a lot of interviewers do, because there's, you know, there's so much more to learn if we take a little time to, to talk about it. And I want to talk about some of the uh, some of the stories that are included in the book, if we could. But we are coming up with uh, we are coming up against a break here in about a minute and a half, and so I don't want to dig too deep right now, um, Marina. But can you stick around for a few minutes uh, while we yes. go to break, and and we'll talk some more on the other side? Yes, thank you. Great. My guest is. Um, Marina Hoffman, she has a Ph.D. in theology and uh, is an interdisciplinary scholar and award-winning writer. Her new book is uh, Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. And we're going to talk about that um, some more with uh, Marina coming up after the break. Uh, if you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint, our voices radio, they are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House, Spectacle Productions, and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And coming up tomorrow on the show, tomorrow's Wednesday, and that means armchair politics. And... Um, We'll have Jan Worth Nelson from East Village Magazine joining our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki on the left and Henry Hatter on the right, for our uh, two hours of commentary and analysis on local, state, and national politics and current events. But in the hour preceding Armchair Politics, we're going to have a special guest on, uh, the author of a new book called Laughing at Myself, My Education in Congress, on the Farm and at the Movies, from uh, former agriculture secretary under uh, Bill Clinton, Dan Glickman. Anyway, we'll take a short break and we'll be Hello back. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Vi from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Dr. Comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. And where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County. Where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at Michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue my conversation with the author of a new book called Women of the Bible. She is uh, Dr. Marina Hoffman, an interdisciplinary scholar and author of a book called Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. Marina, welcome back, and uh, thanks for sticking around. Sorry to make you sit through all that. Thank you. Um, in the last segment, Marina, we were talking a little bit, um, well, we touched on the point that historically women have been thought of as something less than men and and somewhat subservient to men, and that, of course, is changing drastically in modern times. But in your study of the Bible, is it your impression that women were much more involved in the evolution of history but maybe underreported yes i think so exactly and i think another challenge we have is that sometimes their roles were not what we praise in culture today if you look at rahab your some of your listeners will be familiar with her story she has the role of a prostitute so right then and there a lot of christians are going to shut off but we also have to evaluate these women in terms of how the New Testament evaluates them. And what does Paul say? Paul talks about our weakness and our low status as being exactly what God desires. And the less there is of us, the more there is of Christ working through us. So I think we also have to flip how we actually see leaders. Not every leader needs to be a strong, powerful personality. Or not every leader needs to hold high political office. Exactly, and that really brings us back to women in the Bible, how we can praise them and elevate them, even though they don't have a high political office. What are some of the most dramatic um, examples of women from your book? Most dramatic? Well... I think a story that I think is dramatic is the one of Hagar from Genesis, because so often we're familiar with Abraham and Sarah and all they accomplished. Hagar doesn't have much of a voice, and yet there's this beautiful passage where she's on the run, she's pregnant, things have just fallen apart. We can read into this story a little that she seems unprepared in the middle of a wilderness, surrounded by animals, caravans. She's at a low point. What happens? One of the most incredible things in Scripture, an angel appears to her, calls her by name. We keep reading and discover that angel is actually the Lord. What does Hagar do? She gives a name to God. And Tom, she's the only person in Scripture to actually create and give God a name. And, and yet we know very little else about her. Yes, she, and you know, rightfully, because she disappears from the biblical text. We don't have passages about her like we do Abraham and Sarah. So it's understandable that we see her as a minor character. But I love to cut away all the context and just look at this story. And in her story, like so many other women, she's featured. She's, she gives us a great example. She stands out. She's the hero of the passage, a, one, a person we can learn from and emulate. And and do you have another uh, another example? Well, uh, fast forward a few chapters in Genesis, and we come to Tamar, 
another character, only one chapter about her. We don't know much. And she's, again, kicked around and at a low point. She's a widow. She was promised a second husband, a third husband. This is culturally acceptable, right? A little bit like we would say government welfare. There's no system, right? So the family of her husband is required to take care of her even though he's died. No one does. They send her back home. She waits many years. And yet, through a bunch of trickery and clever manipulation, she ends up getting what she wants, which is two children, and therefore secures her own future. But again, uh, she uses manipulative ways. She's clever. She tricks the men. So a very fun story to look through. And, and, the, uh, and the book is, what is it you're hoping that, that women will get out of this, um, this book and, and uh, any, any Bible study they might do around this book? Sure. I think on the positive side, there's a lot of women who just want to grow. They want to develop leadership skills, study how other women have navigated their challenges, and this book provides great models. But also, Tom, my heart is really for women who almost feel overcome by all the challenges they're facing. They're trying to do everything. They feel inadequate. They feel broken. And those women, when they read these stories, I think they will really resonate with the women as I do. We have a lot of the same challenges, even though thousands of years have passed. It's challenging to even just be a mom and run the house. So for those women, I really hope they feel affirmed in who they are and God's great love for them, God's attentiveness to their personal situation, and God's help in times of trouble. And again, the less they have, the weaker we are, the greater God's glory is shown when something incredible happens in our life. Do you think it was men, and specifically men who wrote the Bible, that left a lot of stories about women out and and cast women as more servants of man than servants of God? That is possible. And again, you raise just such a huge controversial topic. But I always ask a question. If men wrote the Bible, then they posed as women because we have numerous passages that are given attributed to women. Hannah's prayer, a beautiful prayer. Mary prays. So did really did men write these words and put them in the mouth of women? Or should we question our supposition and say, maybe women told these stories? And at least they're their stories, Tom. Look, you have Hannah praying in her heart quietly to God. You have Mary having this one-on-one interaction with the angel. How do we know that? How did the Bible authors know that? So at minimum, these are the women sharing their stories, whoever penned their words. And is is there, you know, I, I, I am always fascinated by Bible scholars and curious about the research, not just in the Bible itself, but in other things. Have you explored other sources of information to, I don't know, not necessarily verify, but, but to add evidence to the stories that you talk about from the Bible? For sure. And this gets back to a few things we talked about. Did women in culture have a significant role? 
And to answer that question, if we step out of the Bible, is also to look at culture. How do we know ancient culture? We only know what we've discovered via archaeology. So in a non-biblical sense, the questions that you're talking about really come down to, does archaeology expose the leadership of women, or can we assume they never had leadership? And phenomenally, the last even 20 years have revealed so much in archaeology that there were, there were women leaders, especially, Tom, this goes a bit beyond my book, but if you look at church leaders, right? Church leaders come in maybe two, three, four decades after the New Testament. Many churches were founded and built because of female patrons, women who paid for the ministry of the church. That's a huge impact, and we don't even have their stories in the Bible. So I think we can come back and draw some conclusions. If women were leaders in culture, and we now have evidence of this, well, maybe women were bigger leaders and more significant than we even have uh, a record of in the Bible. And in the... um uh, and I want to get back to to your book. The book is uh, again, um, "Women in the Bible: Small Group Bible Study" by Marina Hoffman, Ph.D. in theology. Um, Marina, the can 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 we share a couple couple more examples of women in the Bible? Yes, anyone you want to talk about, Tom. <laughs> Anyway, no, I, I love talking about them all. I, well, but I need you to to pick them because I don't I don't have a list yeah. in front of me. Well, can we go back to Hannah for a minute? Certainly. Um, I know we talk a bit about her impact on Samuel and her legacy, but if I can just narrow in on really the details of her story. So here's a woman, and she's really alone. She is married, um, but it seems that the husband does not understand her pain for a child. He even asks her, am I not worth more than 10 cents? And I think women in this situation would say yes, but also no. A husband is wonderful. A husband does not replace a woman's yearning for a child. So he seems like a loving man, but also she is isolated and alone. So what does she do with this pain in her heart that's going on for years? Finally, she brings it to God at the temple. She prays, she pours out her heart, and then there's this remarkable line that after she pours out her heart, she gets up, eats, and goes on her way, and her face is no longer downcast. And I think that verse alone speaks volumes to me, because I myself can take my pain to God, and I certainly try to when I also face infertility. We can pour out our heart, but there comes a time that we can't live in that deep pain. And we have to say, Lord, I've prayed so hard for this. I'm now going to trust you, and I'm actually going to leave it with you, and I'm going to go on my way, and I'm still feeling pain, but I'm not going to be so heavy-hearted and downcast. I'm going to trust your ways are beyond my knowledge, and you'll work things out, however that is. I don't know what you think, Tom. For me, that was so life-changing, even that small detail in her story, so inspirational to me. For contemporary women, Marina, they have a lot on their plates. They're wives and, and mothers um, during the, the pandemic. Some of them have had to be school teachers. Um, many, many women, uh, contemporary women, have full-time jobs and careers. Do the st- how do the stories 
from these women of the Bible translate to everyday life for women of today? Really good question. Let me raise, well, you talk about careers, right? There's lots to say about mothers. Let's also talk about women in career. So we have this story, a little bit obscure, on the midwives. So there's these two midwives. Their job, of course, is to help bring the Hebrew moms to a healthy birth, a healthy child, and that's simply their job. Day in, day out, same thing. One day, the pharaoh of Egypt comes to them and tells them they need to kill all the male boys. Now, Tom, what a crazy position that puts them in. Everything they long to do, their life's mission and work, is bringing life, and now they're supposed to bring death. But what do they do? Well, on the one hand, they are clever. They cleverly undermine the pharaoh. But on the other hand, very simply, all they do is they keep doing their job. They show faithfulness to God, to their calling, to their career, no matter what obstacle comes against them. And simply by doing their job faithfully day in, day out, and not killing those baby boys, they end up saving a generation and making a huge uh, impact on Bible history. People will say Moses came from that line of saved boys. And of course, we know Moses had a huge impact on Israel as well. So I would say that's a great encouragement, no matter how overwhelming life seems. Simply have faith, keep being faithful, keep obeying God in the day-to-day, because we might not be seeing the extraordinary God is accomplishing in our simple actions. And and would you please share the, the story of, of how those boys were saved? Yes. So they they come up with this lie. They keep saving the boys. They come up to Pharaoh, and he's like, he says, well, how come these boys are not living? How come you're not killing them? And the, these midwives literally tell Pharaoh that Hebrew women are different. So it's a, you could say an ethnic, a racist statement. He says they're different than the Egyptian women. He, the Hebrews are vigorous and give bor- birth before we even get there. And I can tell you right now, Tom, every single woman who is listening right now that's given birth knows that uh, birthing is not a racist issue. It's not ethnicity-based at all. And there's no way that all the women give birth before the midwives arrive. So they completely lie. But there you have a case where it's possible that culture itself prohibited Pharaoh from asking questions because he seems to believe it. And it's a really fun detail because here you have the great Pharaoh, the great king of Egypt, and he doesn't even know the most basic fact of life. He believes these women, and they're allowed to keep going. So it's so much fun how these, you, you could say lowly, at least compared to the king, right? Just ordinary women doing a job, and yet they make the pharaoh look out to be a fool and completely undermine him by a simple lie. And again, I'm not going to condemn them for lying. They did what was right. They saved lives however they needed to go about that. They shared some alternative facts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, so where were where were the boys? Where did they grow up? Well, we only have a small glimpse of the story. The next passage talks about how Moses' mother saves him, and of course he ends up in the king's palace under the care of the daughter, and then goes on to be a great leader. And even then, again, here the pharaoh wants all these baby boys killed, and his own daughter has rescued, is saving one of them, and then this 
boy, Moses, grows up in the Pharaoh's own home. Again, very humorous in the midst of this story of life and death. Why are stories, um, and not just about women, but, but from the Bible in general, um, I- important to re-examine? Life was so different then. Um, has much really changed about the obligation that people have to each other and to God? I really don't think so, because I think the themes of our story, if we really step back and you say, well, what are the overarching themes? We can say simple, faithful obedience in the day-to-day, whatever challenges they face. And I think that's a message for all of us, and it's also the challenge we each face, all of us, day by day, whether it's in our career, our family, our relationships. We need one another. And it's hard to be faithful to God. It's hard to always know what the right action is. So just like thousands of years ago, people needed to lean on God to help navigate their time. I feel it's the same in my life, leaning on God to navigate a world that is changing so fast. Do you share the the concern that I have about people who use the Bible to justify bad behavior? Yes, I do. And we see it all the time. It's classic. Someone pulls out one verse, one single verse from the Bible, and then makes a massive generalized statement about it, and then they go further to apply it in ways that completely loses heart of that one verse. And I think one very good way forward is to step back and say, if we disregard a single verse, and instead put that verse in the context of the general message of the Bible. God's love, God's forgiveness, God's mercy, God's personal care for God's people. I think that's a much better way forward. And it's it's painful when you see people abuse the Bible and use it to dominate and control others. That's not the point of the Bible. It's a life-giving message. And how many times do people use it for death and pain? It's terrible. I've I've always said that uh, the two documents in human history that have been the most misused are the U.S. Constitution and the Bible. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> we see that more today than ever, don't we? Yeah, we really uh, we really do. Um, Marina, I, I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, about you and where people can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? Yes, womeninthebible.info. If they visit womeninthebible.info, they can read about my book. But I also want to tell your listeners that my testimony is there. I think it will really inspire them. God's uh, incredible acts in my life in dramatic ways, but also in the day-to-day. And there's a free video series on all these women as well. They might enjoy that. And you also had a um, a, a life-threatening uh, situation that you've come back from. Did you, did you yes. want to mention that and talk a little bit about surviving that? Yes, we were, my husband and I were driving in Canada. We got hit head on on the highway. 
ago, we have our car going about 70 miles and someone just loses control and within one to two seconds hits us. While your listeners will know the survival rate of being hit at an impact of 140 miles an hour is zero. They don't track it because it's so uncommon. So we had all kinds of physical injuries. My husband, worse than I, he bare the brunt of it. And one event after another occurred to save our lives. I'll give one little example. The person in front of us was a firefighter, retired. He jumped out of his vehicle the minute we were hit and came over and literally physically held me down for 48 minutes so that I didn't try and stand up and get out of the car. And it turns out my bowels were uh, split open in four parts. And if I had tried to stand, the surgeon said I would have been dead before getting on my feet. So in small but dramatic ways, God saved our physical life. If I can add one thing, Tom, I also had a long road to recovery of depression, anxiety, PTSD, and that was not cured overnight. That was a long journey of trusting God. Well, I think the the book sounds uh, absolutely fascinating, and it's um, interesting in this day and age to to go back and re-examine women in the Bible and their their various roles, and, you know, to look a little deeper than than what most people think of when they think of women in the Bible. They think of them as almost parenthetical, and this book doesn't do that. That's right. They'll see women who had central roles and made a big difference. Well, Marina, I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm glad we were able to get together and talk about this. And uh, kudos to you for putting this book together. Um, How can, uh, well, you, you gave the website where people can find out more about you and the book. And uh, what's next for Marina? Do you have uh, more books? Well, I have been asked a number of times if I'm going to do a second study. There's so many women we can look at. That's, I guess, a natural second step. My heart, which I've been just weighing on for a long time, is to make these stories more acceptable, accessible for young people, even teenagers. So I would love to do something for teenage girls as well, because with all these voices in their life, putting them down, discouraging them, I think they need positive role models to encourage them, maybe more than anyone. Well, Marina, thanks so much for spending this time with me uh, this morning, and keep up the good work. Thank you. It's been an honor to spend time with you and your listeners. Thank you. All right. Take care. That was... um, Marina Hoffman, she, is, uh, she has a, a Ph.D. in theology and is an interdisciplinary scholar and award-winning writer known for fresh insights, a positive perspective, and a compassionate approach to the Bible. And uh, her new book is Women in the Bible, Small Group Bible Study. And uh, in it, um, Hoffman helps readers discover how women in the Bible responded to complex challenges, take bold actions to bring about justice, and triumphed triumphed through adversity. And with that, we're going to take a uh, short break, let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are uh, WFOV, Our Voices Radio, 92.1 
LPFM in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions and my friend Paul Herring. We're going to let them squeeze a few words in and do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse, lots more straight ahead. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. 
We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Summer Program.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Mom always liked you best. <laughs> what do you my mean? mom always liked my brother best, and she never liked me. Mom and... You, you and keep, mom. Why do you keep telling me mom always likes you because best? Because she. Every re- time you get mad, you say mom always liked you best. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, mom always liked you best. You want to know? And you always picked on me. You and mom. You, my mom and my brother get together and say we don't like you because mom liked you best you know and she why? never liked me. Wait a minute. Do you know why she liked me best? She. Oh. <laughs> Would you like to know why? She liked me best. Sure, she liked me best. Why not? I never knew Mom liked you best. <laughs> you and Mom always used to pick on me. That's now I remember. Yeah, now you remember. Mom liked you best, and she never liked me. You want to know why? Why? Because I happen to be an only child. <laughs> Touchy, touchy. <laughs> Touché. Touché. This just isn't your night, Tommy. Your mom you... gave you a dog. My mom gave my brother a dog, and I didn't get to have a dog in more Everybody than Everybody had dogs. I didn't have a dog. You got to have a dog in more than anything in the whole world. I wanted to have a dog of my own. I asked my mom, I said, Mom, I want to I have a dog like my brother Dickie Smothers. You remember me. I'm Tommy Smothers. <laughs> And I never got to all have right, a dog, is, and you wouldn't let me play I, with your dog or anything. I remember when I was 10 years old, I said, oh, if I could only have a dog. My brother had a dog, I and I couldn't. I didn't get to play with your dog, and Why you, you would always tell Mom when I play with your dog, hey, Tommy's playing with my dog. You remember Tommy, the kid you don't like so much? <laughs> and I didn't get to play with a dog, and I didn't have a dog. Oh, hold it a minute. Before we go any further, you... You know, you had your own pet already. Crummy chicken. Well, you wanted it. It's no fun playing with a chicken. They don't bark good. You wanted it. You I said, didn't want that. You wanted to sell the eggs. It was a rooster. <laughs> and every Saturday, my brother, they would, all, the, all of his friends, they get on their, they all get out their dogs and they get their bicycles. And they, I didn't have a bicycle either! You had a bicycle! Now hold it down, now hold it down. You're just getting excited. You had a wagon. That was a good wagon. One wheel? What'd you do with the other wheels? Well, it was hard for the chicken to pull that one wheel wagon. Listen. You never liked me and you went on hikes and you... and. You know why you didn't get to go on hikes? You, you never had, would accept you No, know, you even had a dolly. A what? A dolly. My brother had a doll. You shut up. You shut up about my doll. You had that dolly. I remember you and your dolly. 
I said, Mom, don't give me a dolly. <laughs> I, I was always, I always liked my brother. Mom says, always like your brother. And I liked my brother. We used to hang around and do things together. Every, about once every three or four months, he'd say, come on, Tom, let's go smoke some Crayolas. <laughs> I certainly did not say that. You did too! Those. I did not. Stains your teeth. You go it? on hikes! That's right, we went on hikes because dogs and boys go on hikes. You can't take a chicken on a hike. Frank was a good hiker. Listen, all the guys knew Frank was the best hiking chicken in the block. The reason you couldn't go on a hike, you couldn't keep up. You were in that crummy wagon. But you want to know the Fast, reason? Fast, just one wheel wagon around! All right, Tommy, we want to know the real reason is that it wasn't your place to go on a hike with us. It's, we liked you, we liked the chicken, but boys and dogs, they go on hikes together, they're buddies, you know? A little boy even sleeps with his dog. You've never realized the place for a boy in this chicken. Chicken coop. You should have kept that crummy chicken in that chicken coop, Tom, and away from my dog. My uh, chicken killed his dog. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Remember names and faces 
but to whom do they belong? And when you knew that it was over, you were suddenly aware that the autumn leaves were turning to the colors of his hair. Like a circle in a spiral, like a wheel within a wheel, never ending or beginning on a never spinning reel. As the images unwind, like the circles that you find in the windows of your mind.
two pilots get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here.